The Connell Tribune, Thursday the 5th of March 2020. Political connections, speculators, developers, and carpetbaggers, and Harry Gregg and Jimmy Greaves. One month after the most sensational election in a century, we're still no further to forming a government. Makes you wondering, considering that up north had no government for three years and the roof didn't fall in over the blue skies of Ulster. Ordinary people went about their business, city centre pubs were bouncing in Belfast on Saturday nights. Clannard Monastery held its annual novena and the Orange Lodges had their shindig marching a traditional route and giving the Pope a good kicking for his sins. So over the past month and probably for another two, we've gone about our business if Leo was still calling the shots. The Irish rugby team were beaten by England and as usual Donegal beaten by the dubs. Storms, Brendan, Dennis and Kira came and went like Paddy's Day will in a few weeks. All the while every reject of a politician will be trying to scam his way into the Shannon to perpetuate a sense of entitlement. People went to work on Monday or collected their pension on Tuesday. Our senior golfers at Galway Bay played on Wednesday, Celtic lost in Europa on Thursday. Coronavirus took the air courts from Dublin Airport to Belfast on Friday. Jorge battered us on Saturday and on Sunday Father Pat gave his weekly homily at 11am Mass in Durham. It was all done without any new government in place. It does make you wonder in amazement what they actually do. Anyway, while the politicos decide what they would do with the 96000 per annum salary plus 30000 expenses and 8000 for constituency office allowance, just in case they're lonely in their first year, they get 750 towards a new iPhone 11. The rest of us will do as we always do, just get on with it. I've always found it so interesting that people get themselves into such a tether about elections. You know the sort back in the day, up Dev or Cosgrave Abu, election meetings outside the chapel on a Sunday morning, cavalcades driving through the constituency, flags waving, loudspeakers blurring, rise and follow Charlie. In the modern era, the more social media literate and savvy millennials rattling out hits, and that's not just come out, you black and tans. Google Analytics will tell us that the tree huggers of carbon tax under close scrutiny. So much so that I can't even cut my wee bank of turf down in Glenvay near Loch Lilly in case the planet, where it is laying for millions of years, not harming anybody, implodes. God of Charlie Bob, Moriarty, Paddy Dimney, Cutie Kit, Uncle Mick, Paddy Doy, James the Big Looter, Eddie Paddy John, the Red Fella, and John Ban had realised they were doing so much harm to the environment back in the day that I never have passed the mountain bar and the way out to the bog. Never mind stopping the way home for a few bottles. What amazes me most is that no matter who won any given election, it never makes a difference to working class people. They all went to work on the Monday morning and just carried on as normal. Small farmers, I presume, just the same. You see, these weren't the people who benefited from being associated with Fianna Fáil or Finn Gael for a century or the Tories in the UK. But then that's how politics works. Those who hope to benefit from political connections, the speculators, developers and carpetbaggers, they're not in it to see what they can do for their country, but more so what their country can do for them. 
I've seen many elections since 69. Did it ever improve the standards of living for any working class person in Ireland or the UK? People get sucked into the whole euphoria of it. Politics is a bit like that. But as James Connolly famously observed, if you remove the English tomorrow, hoist the green flag, unless you set about organising a socialist republic, your efforts are in vain. They'll still rule you through your capitalists, financiers, commercial and individual institutions. And that's exactly what happened after independence, and it's easy to see in the modern era where the political class amazingly has serious wealth. Speculators, hotel, nightclub owners, landlords, and yet people voted for politicians who retired in three pensions and spend the winter in Marbella or Florida. Sure as P. Flynn once proudly said to Gabo, you try and keep th three houses in a TD's, TD's pay. Indeed, even as well-intentioned as people starting out are full of principles and promising changes, it's noticeable that even the Shinners can now take their almost 100,000 wage as well when originally it was the average industrial wage. Anyway, enough of that. I wanted to write about two of the greatest footballers back in the day, Harry Gregg and Jimmy Greaves. Much more interesting than the political stuff. Sadly, Greg passed away recently, a lion of a man from near Colerain. He joined Man U and was part of the Busby Babes. They were the new boys in the block in the late 50s. Duncan Edwards, Roger Byrne, Bobby Charlton, Jackie Blanchflower, brother of Danny at Spurs, Dubliner Liam Whelan. But fate was to determine they would never realise their true potential. After defeating Red Star and Belgrade to qualify for the European Cup semis in 58, they were en route home and tragedy struck. They'd landed at Munich to refuel but been trying to take off. Twice they aborted. The players returned to the airport lounge, then for the third time had to embark. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't have got back in that plane for George Best's leftover Miss Worlds. But I suppose peer pressure and being young, the players trooped back on and in treacherous conditions taken off the plane, which couldn't gather enough speed, skidded in the slush and crashed into a house with 20 killed in impact. Many of them journalists, but also seven players. The hero of the hour was Harry Gregg. While many others were ran away from the burning plane, Gregg went back in and saved the lives of Bobby Charlton and Dennis Vallett and the pregnant wife of a Yugoslav diplomat and her 18-year-old, month-old baby. Greg re-entered the doomed plane's fuselage several times to help those unable to help themselves. Each time aircraft staff roared at him, the plane was going to explode, but he ignored them. In fact, he shouted to fellow players and staff to come back and help. None did. A fact which left him unable to talk about the tragedy in later years. Greg never really got over Munich. Duncan Edwards died from his injuries two weeks later. The Roy Keane of his time and apparently destined to be a superstar in the 60s. Bobby Charlton did recover as eventually did Matt Busby, but his dream of European glory was thwarted for another decade and would be overshadowed by Celtic's success a year earlier. A few weeks after Munich, Greg played with a patched-up team of kids and amazingly made it to the FA Cup final. But the fairy tale ended sorely when the England striker Nat Lofthouse dumped Greg and the ball into the net to win the cup. Greg played on for another eight years at Man U, but without success, and was transferred before the Georgie Best era brought United two league titles and the European Cup. 
On his retirement, he never talked much about Munich. He was a reluctant hero. Didn't sit, sit easily with him. Georgie Best once commented he didn't see himself as a hero. He was just a good man. Greg also played in the 58 World Cup for the North and was voted best goalkeeper as they reached the quarterfinals. Back at Man U, like many football clubs, they didn't look after the players once they'd done their stint with them. But eventually in 2012, they granted a testimonial for him. It was the least they could do. Harry Gregg died last month, aged 87. The baby who he saved with her mother at Munich paid a special tribute to Gregg. Vesna Lukic said Gregg was a great man, extraordinary. In our family, he was a hero. For Harry Gregg, it was different. Munich cast a shadow over my life, which I find difficult to dispel. Jimmy Greaves, the name conjures up memories of my childhood, my first football in Idol. We were about 12 and just seen our first FA Cup final in 65, Leeds and Liverpool. It was the only live football game on TV back in those black and white days. Afterwards, playing football in the street, as you did, we adopted a football persona. Jimmy Bell was Garantia as he could run all day. Tiny Mulgrew was Johnny Giles. Big Adam was Jack Charlton. Kieran was Ian St. John, Joseph, Georgie Best, and I was Jimmy Greaves. We'd play for hours, maybe go in for a piece and jam, a slice of Barney Hughes bread with a wallop of butter, jam, and coated with sugar. Then back down to the football in the street till it was dark, sometimes till 11 p.m. But it was never a problem, safe as hell, no druggies or pedos in the M days. It was childhood heaven in those working class streets. There was something about Jimmy Greaves that caught my imagination. He wasn't like other players, not a runner or an athlete. He had sublime attributes in the technical areas of the game. He was a thinker, a ball player, but more significantly a goal scorer. I first became aware of him through the only football magazine available, Football Monthly, that carried stories about the great Spurs team of the early 60s which won the double and then followed it up with the FA Cup and European Cup Winners' Cup. Greaves was the talisman of the team, his goalscorer and legendary. He was a youthful prodigy at Chelsea, then moved to AC Milan, always scoring goals. The t- Italian Canaccio defensive system didn't suit him, or the strict Latin way of life, and he moved back to Spurs for 99999 Their manager didn't want him burdened, would have been the first £100,000 player. Greaves just scored and goal and scored on every debut for Chelsea, Milan, Spurs, England. Two in the European final, four against the North, three against Scotland. Spurs' greatest scorer with 266, an all-time top scorer in English football with 357. Fourth top scorer for England. But Greaves' record in goals per game was way ahead of the rest. 44 and 57. Whereas Rooney had 53 and 120, Chardon 49 and 106, Linegar 48 and 80. Greaves was just behind the great Gerd Muller, 62 and 68 as the best of all time. Greaves and Best were the stars of the game in England during the 60s. Both enjoyed life to the extreme, but sadly both ended up suffering from alcoholism. Greaves missed out in the World Cup in 66. When injured after the third game and his replacement took the glory with a hat-trick. Greaves might never have got over missing the final, which might have spurred his premature retirement from the game a few years later. 
He also spiraled into alcoholism, but an incident involving his wife led him to ditching the demon drink 50 years ago. His wife had gone shopping, but had previously emptied all the bottles of vodka and brandy down the drain, filled the bin with the empties. When she arrived back from the shopping, she found him lying beside the bin, draining the bottles. He said afterwards the look of complete disgust and disdain on her face made him kick the booze for good. After his football and created his successful media career with his own TV, TV show, along with Ames and John, the former Liverpool player, Graves was a naturally funny man and the show was great viewing in the 80s. They gelled well together. Once Greaves, he said something derogatory about Scottish football and St John invited him up to a game in Glasgow. And when he walked out in the centre of the pitch at the Celtic Notch Forest game in 84, he apologised in front of the 68,000 Celtic fans, or jocks as he called them, to a rousing paradise reception. Unfortunately, in recent years, Greaves has been hit by serious illness, a stroke left him paralysed, speech difficulties and wheelchair bound and won't walk again. A sad end into the life of one of the greatest scorers of all time. May abide in memory as a goal he scored against Man U in 65. It was so good, match of the day used it in the rope and sequences for many years. Graves received the ball near the halfway line with his back to the nets. He daintily turned, skipped past half the Man U team, bit like Maradona against England. Graves he just kept going round to the keeper before eventually tapping it into the Empty net is an inimitable way. It was a wonder goal from a wonderful player. It's an overused epithet, but not in this case, the incomparable Jimmy Greaves. <laughs>